Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Replenish Me show on radio and YouTube. Um, today, I have a special guest, but before I introduce her, I want to let you know why we are all here. And the Replenish Me show is about helping women to build a system of self-nurturing through nourishing themselves with wholesome food, energizing their bodies with movement, and strategies to reframe their perspective. And that's where Dr. Mary Hemphill comes in. Um, thank you so much for being here. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. It is a pleasure. I'm very, very excited about this opportunity. So thank you. So we met about two years ago now, right? On yes. social media. I was doing research about um, starting your year and mindset. And I came upon one of your quotes about reframing your perspective and, um, and positivity and all those things. So um, I'd like you to introduce yourself and tell us about your mold maker movement. Absolutely. So I have a social media platform called The Scholar Vlogger, and really it was born after I received my PhD and really started going into administration and public education. I think society has this idea and expectation of what educators and teachers are supposed to be in terms of how they act and how they talk, how they behave, and, and how they transform schools. And I just know from not only result in our professional lives. If we want a different result for students, then we have to be able to do something different. And so even as a young professional, and particularly as a woman, society thinks that after graduation from college, you're supposed to get married by this age, have children by this age, house, and 2.5 kids. I still haven't figured out what 2.5 kids looks like, but I've just found um, through social media and just connecting with you and other women that there is a soul tribe of women out there who really want to shatter the mold. And so that's where mold making was born. Um, we are prim the premises, education, inspiration, and motivation to shatter those molds and to just make your own. Beautiful. I love that. So I have, um, very talented child in the background, so you may hear some piano chiming oh, in. So we're being, yes. <laughs> that's so cool. <laughs> awesome, I love that. And and you're right. You know, there is um, there are certain expectations, and I think that's kind of what drives the stress that women are under. Um, you know, the 2.5 children. I love that because, right? I'm like on the other side of that. I couldn't figure it out either, so I just kept going. I'm like. Is six good? <laughs> That's so great. So look, you're covered. You, if yes. you don't have kids, I got you covered. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, that, yeah, I do like a lot of the comments that your followers say um, as far as I, I do feel there is a soul tribe. So what, what kind of things have you 
heard from the women that are following you? Like, what are some of the issues that bug them? So I think one of the things that we as women um, don't do enough is we don't circle around each other or we isolate the fact that we think that we're the only woman in the history of womanhood to go through something. And so <laughs> as, you, as you put things out there to inspire yourself, you know, and you put your own truth out there. I think what some of my followers have just surprised me and just really filled my bucket in terms of saying, I'm going through the same thing. Um, or I love it when I post something and I have a follower or um, a friend who will say, I needed to hear that today. Um, because it's just amazing how one quote or one word or one sentence of a post can just speak to a situation, whether it's something that's happening at work or whether it's something that's happening in your personal life with like a friend or even a relationship. I think the one thing that has resonated through the scholar vlogger is just not settling. Um, one of my big messages is that, you know, good enough can't be good enough anymore. And if you settle for less, you can't have more. And I think as women, sometimes we think um, when we're, when we're it's wrong. Okay, but how do we get ourselves ready for the next step? And how do we get ourselves for the, ready for the next step? So I just love that it's not only um, a social media platform, but it's a community of people who support one another. And that when you come to my page or when you come to my blog, that you find something that will just give you that extra oomph to get you through the day or just get you through the week. And so that's just very, it's motivating to me. And I, and I hope that it's motivating to my followers as well. You're right. You're right. Um, we don't circle around each other enough, which is kind of how um, I ended up starting the radio show. It was really reluctant. Like a lot of people were like, you know, you should have a radio show. And I'm like, oh, I can't do that. You know, because like then people will think I'm weird. But guess what? Like there are a lot of people that resonate with the stuff that I talk about and the, the uh, people I interview. So you're right. Um, we do feel like we're on an island. You know, I'm on Island Cordelia, <laughs> and there's nobody in the world that can relate to what Cordelia goes through, right? right, right. So where do you think that comes from? Um, I think that it all stems from fear. And, and I think when we say the word fear, we think that it's this big, massive, you know, dark thing that's following us, but it's the little fears that stop us from making like big change. Hmm. And so I just think, um, you know, I did a big camp 30 day campaign back in July about fearless being hashtag fearless. And so what would happen if we as women, you know, just started the business or, you know, ask the guy out or, you know, just move to a different city, just be fearless. You never know what's waiting for you on the other side of fear. Yes. Yes. I absolutely agree with that. And that's, that's kind of like what I'm going into going into 2018. Actually, I started doing that at the end of this year. Cause I was like, I always thought I want to travel, but I've got kids and like, I can't do that. And so I didn't even want to have that conversation with my husband. And so when I explained it to him, I was like, well, you know, all these years, you know, you've been traveling for business, da, 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 da. And he's like, yeah, I think you should go. Awesome. Right. Like, because <laughs> I don't know why, you know, it's it, the same fear thing. I didn't think that he would be okay with it. I'm like, I'm going to like a foreign country, but it's not really all that foreign Barbados for four days, you know? Right. So that is like not really a foreign country, right? But it's a start. And it's, yes. It's great. <laughs> 
That is awesome. Yeah. So, but I'll be doing a lot more of that now that I know that there's, you know, self-sustaining. I came home to a clean house and everything. There you go. Oh, who knew? Right. Who knew that? Because I was like, they can't clean the house when I'm home. <laughs> it's amazing. Absolutely. <laughs> makes the heart grow fonder. <laughs> Doesn't it? Doesn't it? So like, what have you seen? How have you seen it affect? Let's talk a little bit more about your students. Okay. What are you seeing in the schools with the younger kids? And then we'll talk about your college students. Absolutely. So I started out in elementary as an elementary teacher. And I actually had the opportunity to return back to the school in which I was um, an attendee at when in elementary school. I was actually in the same classroom. And I think after having the opportunity to go to college, and I even did a study abroad for a whole year while I was in college, and then to come back to my hometown of Hickory, North Carolina, to say to my students, I sat where you sat, and to see their eyes light up when you talk about a place like Puerto Rico, which, you know, is a commonwealth, it's like the 51st state, but to them, when you ask them, you know, about Puerto Rico, it's this foreign idea that there's nothing outside of this little world that I live in, or nothing outside of my street or this community. And so I think with students that we're starting to see uh, two things. I think that social media and just social relations in general is really broadening their digital cells, but I think in terms of their, what are the action steps I need to put in place to actually get there and experience it, we're seeing a decline from that because they said you can access everything, you can see everything, right. there is nothing like standing in, you know, in the island or on, in the Yucatan or Machu Picchu or in Italy or in Europe. But to tell a small town kid, especially someone who comes from a low socioeconomic demographic, that this is possible for you. And then to say step one is you have to work hard in school. Step two is you have to apply for the scholarship. Like those steps, we really need to regenerate that conversation with our students. Because for them, they can't see past next week. They, they think in such short time, such short spurts, that we have to reignite the vision that they have for themselves. And that really, really starts with showing them. It starts with talking to parents about it and being authentic about that and not um, better than or higher than because parents want, all parents want better for their kids. So I think if we do that, we're gonna see a huge um, insurgent uh, population of students who wanna travel and who want the best for them. That's good. I love that you're going into the elementary schools because you're right. They say that a person's um, personality and mindset is really set by the age of seven. Yes. So it's yes. too late when they're in middle school even. That's it, kind of scary when you think about it. It is. It is. And even as a new middle school principal, um, I, I told my mom, I was like, first of all, thank you for putting up with me when I was in middle school. Um, <laughs> yeah, we but, all have to do that. <laughs> But I think seeing middle schoolers now and knowing that they're just a couple years away from high school where they're conversations matter and you never know what a big impact you're going to have on a child. Um, even when you're providing structure or even when you're reprimanding them, they crave that because it, it's crazy to think about, but the boundaries that we give our students now they really do set them up for success later. Um, I had a student just write me a note 
and he left it um, in my office a couple weeks ago. And he said, and I had him in elementary school and had the opportunity to have him again in middle school. And he said, Dr. Hempel, thank you so much for correcting me all those times that you did. And I now understand why my education is important because the light goes off for everybody. Like you may be, you may be 60 and the light goes off, <laughs> but if it can go off a little earlier, that's better. But, but, but you just always want to be that person that somebody looks back and says, like, thank you. Like it hurt at the time, but thank you so much. And yeah. so that's why I do what I do. And I love it. I absolutely love it. Yeah. I, I know that the kids, they really do like those boundaries. It makes them feel safe. It, it gives them a sense, I think more of a sense of self-awareness, like, okay, so this is the bubble I can stay in. So everything outside this bubble is not for me. Right. right. So that's good. And then what happens once they get on the college level? And the college level, and, and it's so crazy. I have, I have an awesome opportunity to work in P12, but in higher education, especially at the institution where I'm at, there's so much more open conversations in terms of having those. Um, the, the curriculum is one thing in public education, but it's the content in higher ed. And I'm starting to see that, especially in the master's program, that people really want to drive and find their purpose and dig into their passion. But in order to do that, in all my classes that we teach um, in the Masters of Public Administration, we start with like knowing yourself, mm. knowing your leadership style, knowing what it is that you can tolerate and what you can't tolerate, knowing who you get along with and why, and then really zeroing in on those areas where you need to grow. Um, I tell my teachers all the time, if you're great at teaching math, I don't need to send you to a math workshop. I need to send you to a literacy workshop so that you can learn this. And I tell my students in higher ed the same thing. If you know you're a great transformational leader, I may need to take you over here to human resources because, you know, in terms of getting your skill set and your toolbox diversified. And I think that's what people are trying to do. Uh, I think people are really trying to put a large variety of tools in their toolbox because the truth of the matter is, is that when you're a leader, you are so many things. You're not just leading. You're a manager, you're an organizer, you're personnel, your facilities, your maintenance, you're all these different things. And I think great leaders know either how to get those tools in their toolbox or they know how to get great right now, especially going back to school. Everybody is going back to school. And I think they want to come out being their best self. So is there a group of young ladies that you work with at yes. the college? So tell me some of the strategies that you give them to pinpoint their true leadership style. Uh -huh. So one of the biggest things that I say, and I even tell this to my, to my female teachers as well, I read a great article about a year ago, and it said how women use the word just to kind of say sorry or apologize for being or apologize for feeling. So when you're writing an email and you want to remind your boss of something, I just wanted to remind you or mm -hmm. I just stopped by. So the ladies that I mentor and the young ladies that I mentor in high school, um, we take that out of our vocabulary. First right. of all, we're not going to apologize for being here in the earthly realm. <laughs> we're, we're here <laughs> and we're fabulous. And so we don't have to apologize for it. So we start with that. And then we also start with, again, just that self-awareness of your passion will tell you your destiny. And mm -hmm. so whether that is being an architect and you like to draw or whether that is, you know, being a public speaker or whether that's an artist or whatnot, you have to feed your passion. 
And so that means seeking other people out who, you know, can, can put you in a frame of being exposed to these different things or even understanding. And I think we forget this a lot of times as, as women, you have to put a little money in up front to get a lot out later. And so set aside $50 to take that paint class or $50 to do that online class or whatever it is, you have to do that. And then my golden rule is I always connect myself with somebody who is where I want to go and somebody who is where I've been and is trying to get to where I'm at. So while I'm reaching up, I want to reach back. And I tell even the the young ladies I work with at the high school level, you know, you need to reach up to someone who's where you want to be and also reach back to a junior, a sophomore, a third grader, a kindergartner, somebody, because it has to be a cycle, a cycle of giving and a cycle of taking a cycle withdrawing and putting deposits in. So for yourself, how has um, reaching back helped you? I think reaching back has helped me so much because in education, first of all, 86% of public education is taught by Caucasian women. But when you get into administration and when you get into district leadership, it's about 5% of minority women that lead schools. So, you know, just out of the 115 superintendents in North Carolina, less than 10 of them are African-American women. So reaching back for me is so much more than just, you know, giving back. Reaching back for me is saying that you can do it too. It gives somebody the opportunity to say, I had a principal who look like me. Uh, I will never forget when I had a kindergartner who came up to me and um, I, I gave hugs and I was high fives as they came in and everything. And I knelt down to give her a hug and she was like, Dr. Hemphill, your hair looks like mine. As a five-year-old, I was never able to say that to my principal because they none of them look like me. So that's what reaching back to me is. is. And as I I move up, I want to continue to do that so somebody can say, somebody's been here who looked like me or somebody's been here who who understands my walk, who understands my journey. So it's, it's a lot. It's emotional and it's very spiritual for me to be able to reach back. That's beautiful. Yeah. Wow. So do you find it hard to find people to reach uh, up to though? It's hard. It it is difficult. And the reason it's difficult because one, I went to Meredith college and we, you know, are all women's institution of higher learning and it was phenomenal, but there's something about women when we think about just, just that circle of support that I was talking about earlier. Um, you know, we've, we fought so hard to get there that once we get there, sometimes we're really tired. <laughs> and so when you start to look around the room and you think, who can I connect with? And again, I need an authentic, genuine connection. Um, there's one thing that men do very well that women still are working on, and that's just networking. And regardless of your skill set sometimes, or regardless of, you know, who you came from or what your education is, men continue to make these connections that propel them professionally forward. And so I think as women, sometimes you look around the room and there's like, there's only two people in the room to network with. And one of them may not have your best interests in mind. So that takes it down to one. So I think it's discernment has been one of the biggest skills that I've had to develop over the years, just learning people and watching people and understanding how people flow and then just building that network. 
And so although small, that that's one of the reasons why that's why this show is so important because you know we have to replenish ourselves and that's why mold making is so important because you got to shatter that mold and just be okay with five in your circle versus 50 or 500 it just has to be okay but but it doesn't have to stay that way and i think that's why things like this and connections like ours are so critical yeah so you make two really great points there so you know when we're working towards our goal right mm -hmm. we want to be an example for somebody to reach up to one day so you mentioned you said it right there i didn't even have to say it so we have to replenish ourselves as we're moving towards our goal so we're not tired so we can be emotionally and spiritually available <laughs> you know because i feel like that's what we don't have as women we're so emotionally unavailable, right? Although that's supposed to be a masculine trait. <laughs> um, right. But for the most part, it ends up being a feminine trait because we're so busy not taking care of ourselves on the way up. We're just right. like, I'm gonna get to it, I'm gonna get to it. And back to your point about investing a little bit. So yes, invest a little bit in yourself. I love the example of a paint class. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure there are at least I'm not even going to tell you how many, but there's a bunch of women listening right now saying, oh, but I can't paint. Right. You don't know that until you get a paintbrush and a canvas in front of you. Exactly. Because, I mean, there um, are some friends of mine, they went to a painting uh, women's, what are, what are those things called? Like paint and wine? Paint you know and wine, yes. Right. And they were like, oh, look what I made. And I was like, you made that? Yeah, I made that. I was like, you know? So you don't know. You might be a, uh, what's her name? Frida. What's Frida her name? Kahlo. Yeah, you might be yeah. a Frida Kahlo. Undercover. <laughs> but you'll never know. <laughs> exactly. Right. So that is nurturing. That, mm -hmm. you know, and these are the things, when we think of nurturing, a lot of times people are like, Oh, I don't have money for a spa. Okay, so like, do you have a bathtub? <laughs> right. Do you have Himalayan salt in your kitchen? Exactly. And do you have some essential oils? Well, spa day just happened. Here you go. You know? <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> so, um, yeah, what was the other point? What do you think? This is something I've been challenged with recently. Mm-hmm. I, because of what you were saying about the small circle of women that are too tired to give me the time of day, I have been reaching out towards men that seem to be really in touch with their feminine side. You know, not saying that, oh gosh, that sounds strange, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> they are more spiritual and emotionally available as mentors is what I mean. <laughs> exactly. I got so, you. <laughs> are you against, um, and, and that's, what's helped me to make these you know strange decisions to go to a conference right and leave my kids at home so are you opposed to recommending that no not at all and and i think you know i use the term in the beginning soul tribe because there are just people who just get it yeah. and there's just people you who get you and you and you don't even have to do a lot of explaining like you can start talking and there's just something that happens and you connect so i'm totally not against that um i think too you know when you're trying to replenish yourself or trying to nourish yourself or to try to get to the next level 
So if you're a man and you can help or support me, or you can, you know, put a deposit into me that's going to make me better. And then I can do the same for you. And we have that connection by all means. If you're a woman, by all means. Um, I think we sometimes think age too. Mm. There's a lot to be learned from children. They are so <laughs> insightful and, you know, and they're so, you know, especially in elementary school because they don't have those filters. Exactly. Yet. They're just kind of just right off the cuff with it. And sometimes it's like, I was really thinking about this way too hard. Like this, this six-year-old just read my life. <laughs> um, but, and then again too, you know, but it could be somebody who's 90 who may have been there or some of the be most beautiful things I think are just like 60 year olds who are like, I'm going back to school or I just started my career. So I think on either end of the spectrum, no matter what it is, if it's a man, woman, old, young, whatever, if they're going to be a part of your soul tribe, that that's it. That's, I think that's great. Beautiful. Yes. I love it. And I love that you talked about kids. Yeah. Because I often say that my kids, they've humbled me and they've taught me and you're right. They don't have filters yet. Right. They're just like, mom, <laughs> not that serious. And I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> I love it. Exactly. But see, I'm kind of jealous. I only have access to six kids. You got like how many hundreds of kids? Oh, we have 700 at my school. Wow. So yeah. Nice. <laughs> you get the refresh on a regular. Yes. Oh, every day. Every day. <laughs> Beautiful. I want to thank you so much for your time today. Um, there's two questions, two more questions I have for you though. Okay. One do you actually work with people privately? And, and if so, how can people reach out to you? Absolutely, I do. I do leadership consultations and as well as keynotes and workshops on leadership, inspiration, and education, transforming education. They can find me at my blog, www.thescholarblogger.com, and just click on the tab that says Let's Connect and my email and contact information is there. Um, again, you can follow me on social media at Scholar Blogger on Twitter and Instagram, and I love connecting with new people. And I'm gonna make sure that those links are in the description with the video and with the audio, okay? Um, so the last thing, I know we've talked about a whole bunch of stuff, and now I've got to get down to North Carolina to actually meet you face-to-face -face for real. Yes, that would be amazing. That would be amazing. I can, yeah, we're like soul sisters. So anyway, <laughs> last thing I want to ask you, are there, what are the three main takeaways that you want our listeners and viewers to get today? biggest takeaway is just being investing in yourself. And I think that goes two, twofold. Put the time into yourself to say that it's okay to give yourself that pep talk and then put the money and the funds into yourself, no matter how big or small that investment is, to make sure that you're following your dreams. I think the second thing is don't underestimate the power of networking, making sure that whether it is a connection professionally or personally, no matter who it is, if they are putting in, pouring into you, just making sure that you're regularly checking back with them and just to make sure too that you are really taking taking the time to analyze like what is this person doing in my life and what is the purpose behind it and the third thing is no matter what society says if you think it there's somebody out there who's thinking the same thing and can learn something from you so just cast the fear aside and do it and you won't regret it beautiful I love it I love it so 
invest, network, and just do it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. So thank you so much for being here and thank you listeners and viewers. Um, and don't forget to subscribe and share. Have an amazing day. Be kind to yourself in